High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. out it's a friday night wait a minute no class is still in session welcome feminists riot girls fans may be polar oh and a special shout out to all you netflix junkies out there this is high school slumber party the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic High school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school is surprisingly still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. We've been busy on High School Slumber Party these days, and oh, it feels so good to be busy. I'll tell you that much. Hopefully you did your homework, and hopefully you're doing your homework that we have every week, which is to subscribe to this podcast, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I said Google Play again. Stitcher, Spotify. And remember, you can check out our archive at cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. Also, check out all the other great shows on the Cage Club Podcast Network. I'll be appearing on all those shows from time to time, specifically one that I'm going to bring up soon in a couple of moments. But before that, I want to remind you also that class participation is a huge part of your grade. So please, please, please participate by following our social media, Twitter, Instagram, and the old Facebook where your mom is, probably. Ugh, my mom joined Instagram the other day. She was like a rebel to social media, meaning like she never had a profile ever. And now she joined Instagram, and she's like hitting up my friends and liking silly things and sending me boomer memes. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's an early bell. The devil doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. Jesus. I even forgot that the bell sound effect was right there. So apologies. I was talking about my mom, but I forgot what I was saying. Whatever. Check out all the other great shows on the Cage Club Podcast Network. Just watched a film called Mr. Baseball. And that's a film starring Tom Selleck. I'm not going to get too into it because it has nothing to do with High School Slumber Party. Except that you can check that exclusive episode out where I talk Mr. Baseball with Joey and Joe 2 on their podcast's Patreon feed, Too Fast Two Forever, of course, is the name of the podcast. They're doing a Tokyo Drift Lap. It's a related movie. But I wanted to ask you guys, should we have a Patreon? Would you like to pay for High School Slumber Party? Or do you enjoy having it for free once, sometimes twice a week? Let me know on social media if you prefer to pay for something or to have it for free. I'm curious. 
Anyway, no, I'm joking. Love Patreon. Love being on with those guys. I kind of show another side of me on their Patreon, so you should really subscribe. Okay, today, you at home were to watch a movie. But did you do last week's movie? Last Friday, we talked a really, really cool film. We talked If with Mike Manzi. If was this film that I hadn't really heard of, but it ended up being awesome. One of the best British films of all time. If you like Clockwork Orange, if you like things like that, you're going to really, really enjoy If. And this week, we're flipping the script a little bit. We're talking Moxie with Jenny O'Connell. But I want to let you guys know that I already talked Moxie this week. I was on the Contenders podcast with Tobin Addington, Island Addington. That was my first opinions on Moxie. So these will be my second opinions on my second watch of Moxie, which of course is on Netflix, easy to watch. If you didn't do your homework, shame on you. But I wanted to bring it up because I, I dropped a really big announcement on that Contenders episode. So High School Slumber Party, I've kind of talked about it, kind of talked about it with our little bit of a spinoff thing, Black Teen Experience. Well, another spinoff will be debuting on this feed. It's going to be the first Monday of every month. It is going to be called High School Slumber Party AP. That's where me and the aforementioned Island Addington, she's been on the show before. Check out that episode on the perks of being a wallflower if you want to hear what she sounds like, I suppose. Or check out The Contenders. Yeah, that was your homework anyway. Listen to the episode of Contenders where I talk Moxie. But she's going to be joining me once a month, and we're going to talk the films of the last three years, the high school films of the last three years. You guys remember that project I did when I watched 30-something 2020 high school films in like a little more than a weekend, and then I talked about them? I had so much fun doing that, believe it or not, that I want to make that a thing. I told you that I talk about a lot of those films in long form. We're going to do it. We've already talked some of them, like Another Round we talked in long form. By the way, Another Round nominated for not one, but two Oscars. We'll save that maybe for like a High School Movie News segment, but wow, love it. But we're going to talk a lot of great films. More on that later. I can't wait to tell you what our first film is going to be. But little tease, little podcast tease. Listen to Contenders and find out exactly what we'll be doing on that spinoff, High School Slumber Party AP. But for today... It's the perfect movie, Moxie, here, talking with Jenny O'Connell. If anyone's heard Jenny on this podcast, I'm sure you had. She's got a lot of opinions, and she's not afraid to share them. A different take than what we did on The Contenders. So if you did hear that Contenders episode, and you're here for maybe the first time, we're going to talk a lot of things that you'll probably enjoy, and we're going to share some different opinions. And I think, think, think you'll really, really like this episode on Moxie. Amy Poehler did such a good job directing this film oh my god but like i said we'll get into it so it's about that time right pack your favorite jammies tell your mother sleeping at brian's because we're about to get our party on let's leave you with a big subject matter in moxie and this might be a 2021 film maybe right now in the running for best high school film of 2021 well there hasn't been that many but Let's leave you with a song they actually talk about in the movie, Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill. Later, dudes.
All right, Jenny, we're talking Moxie today, new Netflix film, and I've already let the slumberers know that um, I had an awesome conversation on another podcast on this network, The Contenders, um, with Tobin Addington and Island Addington, and we had a really good conversation on the movie, watched it again, took some more notes, excited to talk to you because we talked a little bit off air, and uh, well, I know you enjoyed it, I know you had some different opinions, and I can't wait to hear those opinions, I can't wait to, and I have good news for everyone, or bad news depending on what you enjoy, James Corden is not in this film. Yes! So. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully. Hopefully that will be a pattern with upcoming films. (laughs) I don't know. He's nominated for a Golden Globe for a... Wait, why am I forgetting the name of the film now? The Prom. The Prom. My Nemesis. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, just this hate crime against the LGBTQ community. Like, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yup. The Golden Globes decided that James Corden was one of the best actors in a comedy and or musical, I guess, of both in this one no. i don't think he won i don't remember I didn't yeah watch i don't him, think but... he did which is good but i'm still gonna say <laughs> that awards don't matter so like if i never get nominated for a golden globe that's why like, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny we mentioned the golden globes though because one of the two co-hosts of the golden globes is our director today amy poehler uh so like i said we're talking moxie but why don't you introduce yourself jenny and we'll take it from there Okay, cool. Hey, my name's Jenny O'Connell. Pronouns are they and she. I'm a non-binary actor, model, pianist, and am based in Brooklyn, New York. I'm also from Massachusetts. That's like a fun, Amy Poehler is like also from Massachusetts. I'm like, Amy, what? (laughs) So many people of that generation uh, of comedy come out of Massachusetts. It's crazy. I know, it's probably because of, like, the Irish Catholicism and the repression and the picturesque (laughs) landscapes that, like, just breed, like, a nice breeding ground for comedy. (laughs) That definitely, definitely makes sense. Yeah, I mean, this movie, I was tracking this movie for a while, Moxie, because, well... I shouldn't say a while. Netflix kind of just like drops things out of nowhere. But ever since it was like a thing, I've been tracking it. So like a month. But still, I was very curious because, you know, you're always looking for the book smart. You're always looking for, some people say hasn't aged as well, Ladybirds of the world or the Junos of the world in my genre. Like the movie, the teen movie that everyone's going to be talking about for that year. Not every year you get one. But I was thinking, you know, maybe Moxie could be that movie. A lot of a promise So I was excited to see it. Like I said, I've already talked about it on The Contenders, but I'm excited to open up that debate because like it or hate it, this is a movie that a lot of people watched on Netflix and a lot of people were talking about. So I'm really excited to get your take. Before we dive in, I always read the aforementioned Netflix bio or again, DVD, VHS, but as this is a Netflix film, it has a very, 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 very short um, little bio here. So here it is. Inspired by her mom's rebellious past and a confident new friend, a shy 16-year-old publishes an anonymous zine calling out sexism at her school. By the way, I, I said zine in my head for like years, <laughs> you know, when you read oh, it man. online. Yeah. I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just in my head. And then I'm like, wait, no, magazine? That doesn't make sense. But it is zine. It is zine. <laughs> Words are weird like that, where you like know how to spell something and you like don't say it out loud. So your head's just like, yeah, that makes sense. And then you hear someone say it out loud and you're like, 
oh no, that was, that was incorrect. Like I love, um, there's a drag queen on the season of drag race called Gottmik. And I know how to spell their name, but like, I feel like in my head, I was pronouncing it like got meek. And I'm like, oh, "Oh, that's incorrect. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Like, took me a while. I'm bad with pronunciation. So I feel like that happens in quarantine more than ever, or, you know, this period we're in now, because there's so much things you're saying just in your head to you, you know? Mm -hmm. Or sometimes to your plant, you know? Talk to your plants. (laughs) (laughs) We mentioned Amy Poehler from Moxie. This is pretty much her baby here. She has a deal with Netflix. She, of course, did Wine Country last year with her friends, it seems like, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if Adam Sandler gets paid to make movies with his friends, I'm like, Amy, you deserve that. That's a really, really, that. really good point. Adam Sandler makes so many movies with his friends and makes so much money off Netflix doing it and more power to him, whatever. But yeah. Amy, Amy deserves that Netflix money and to make movies with her friends. So right. Wine Country... You know, I'm for it. <laughs> I'm for it, too. Like, I haven't seen it. So sorry. I'm probably not going to see it. But I'm happy it exists. And that she got to go to wine country with her friends. Like, good for you. You know? That's awesome. That is really, yeah. like, now that I think about it, that is really awesome. You know? Right. She, you're right. She deserves that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Netflix. Um, <laughs> Of course, I guess this is her second Netflix direction. And, of course, um, this one has, a. am assuming... A very different tone than wine country. Yeah, I would imagine so. <laughs> and I think that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today in terms of not just the film, but the way it was marketed, the, some of the criticisms that are out there. I know you share some. I know you don't share some. And one of them <laughs> that I mentioned on The Contenders, and I want to mention it again because as time has passed this week, I've thought about it a lot more. So many places, their big criticism for this film was, it wasn't funny. It has Amy Poehler. I wasn't laughing at things, which I I think you probably agree with me on this one. That is such a ridiculous sentiment. Like, just because it's Amy Poehler doesn't mean the film needs to be like, LOL, Ron Swanson's here, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like there's this anecdote. I think it was in her um, memoir that she did where it was like, she was talking to like Jimmy Fallon, who's the worst. And like, (laughs) she swore and he's like, oh, that's not cute. And she's like, I don't fucking care if it's cute. So I feel like as an artist, she doesn't need to be boxed into like, strictly comedy like comedians like bob odenkirk is like doing his whole like drama thing getting ignored by the emmys and like no one's like oh but he's bob odenkirk he's on mr (laughs) show he's supposed to be funny all the time why isn't he making me laugh like the clown he is it's like amy poehler's not your clown so like i get that she has a lot of association with tina fey and like tina fey is very much someone who like she has like sharp cynical cerebral you know mile a minute jokes like she just is like joke 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 weaving it in weaving it in weaving it in but like doesn't have to do that like I appreciate her sense of humor and like also appreciate the perspective that she has as far as like 
being like empathetic and earnest. And I'm like, yeah, I like that. I think more like empathy and vulnerability and earnestness is needed in Hollywood. But also, you know, again, we can we can get into it. I think both Tina Fey and Amy Poehler need to get like a little bit more specific and open-minded and just move to the left even more with their <laughs> feminism. Just keep moving left. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into it now because again, this is an Amy Poehler joint. You know, this is her thing yeah. here. I mean, she didn't write it. It's based on a, uh, I think it's a young adult novel. I definitely know it's a book mm. um, called Moxie, a novel by Jennifer Matthew. Oh, okay. And the screenplay was written by Tamara Chesna and Dylan Meyer. Yeah, oh, um, I did find out that Dylan, I think, is uh, K-Stew's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. 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 You're right. I, like, so I knew was... I know that name. Twilight Connection. Like, oh. What, what? We love that here. <laughs> yeah. Very for that. The Twilight-esque opening credits. I'm like, was that a shout out? Like that color grading. <laughs> it did look like Twilight. Oh, my God. That right? opening. That's awesome. <laughs> this movie was directed by women, produced by women, screenplay by women, the original novel, you know, ladies all around yeah. here. So, yeah, which is, which we is love good. to see that. You which know, is good. You don't want to see Moxie, directed by uh, Paul Feig, you know? Right. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that would, be, that would be a totally different movie and probably a worse movie. And also, I forgot to, like, sort of tie it around. Like, I think part of the problem I have just with the way that Moxie is marketed, because Amy Poehler is so associated with her friend Tina Fey it's like I feel like they were trying to be like this is like the new Mean Girls and Mm. I'm like Mean Girls is a very different movie like Mean Girls is not as earnest like it has moments of really you know like like bullying's bad and don't do it but like Tina Fey is not trying to like give you like a feminism 101 course she's trying to like make these like snappy jokes throw in her perspective I think she does need to see a therapist about her like problems with sex workers where I'm just like seek help (laughs) sorry Dana you need to but like you know um (laughs) battle thrown down oh like Tina has like things that like you know, has these blind spots that she refuses to acknowledge with her films whereas I feel like Amy is very much someone who tries to like correct blind spots and maybe she she misses the marks in some places but like she's someone who tries very hard to like be like I want to do justice to this like all women project I think it's it's really selling it the movie short to be like oh it's not funny like mean girls why isn't it mean girls well not every movie's mean girls like we can have different kinds of projects that women direct like we don't have to limit what women do in the industry to just being like it's either mean girls or nothing like no <laughs> allow nuance thanks. and as you say that it makes me think of a what's his name todd phillips who directed the joker who's yeah. you know the dude who directed the hangover and all those kind of films old school road trip and like he directs the joker and oh my god i was gonna use like a heath ledger joker line i was, I was gonna be like a no one bats an eye but i didn't <laughs> <laughs> too, too, too weird too on point maybe but but it's true in a sense right like no one was like oh it's, this isn't that funny what the hell todd phillips i pictured ken jong to I thought he was going to be in this. like you know Right? I mean? Oh, my God. The, the Joker with Ken Jeong. Like, I would I would watch the shit out. I have so many ideas for, like, Joker movies that don't involve Jared Leto ever. 
So (laughs) if Hollywood wants to come to me for like my older lady version of the Joker, where it's Viola Davis as the Joker, you know, hit me up. I got ideas. Like Laura Dern could be Harley Quinn. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just like ideas. Are you an Amy Poehler fan? Are you a Tina Fey fan? Are you a fan of the tandem? Where do you stand on... Oh, well, you kind of said where you stood on Tina Fey. So where do you stand on Amy? I like both of them, to be very clear. Like, I think that 30 Rock and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt are hilarious. I love Mean Girls. I know, like, every single line in that movie. Um, I do think that Tina has, like, very legitimate criticism. Like, when people bring up blackface in 30 Rock, I'm like, yeah, very problematic. I see what she's doing, but it's still, you know, like, film is very static, and also kind of like the social network, like the internet's written in pen mark, not ink. I do love that movie too, (laughs) but it's like, you're losing a lot of context and like by perpetuating like still images, you're not exactly critiquing blackface. You know, you're, you're adding to that. So it's, it's tricky. Like that's a subject that, especially as like a well-educated white lady, I'm like Tita, like, oof oof, work on your blind spots. Like, I love you. I'm not going to, like, cancel 30 Rock or cancel Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, but when I do watch those shows, I'm like, right, that sentiment is something I don't agree with. Where, like, Amy, like, I love um, Parks and Recreation, you know, and I love her, like, I love her work on SNL. I'm not, like, a huge SNL fan overall, but, like, I think she was hilarious on that. I love her impersonation of Hillary Clinton. But, yeah, I mean, Parks and Recreation, like, she's delightful on that show. Again, also has very legit criticisms to make. It's a lot more, like, toothless i would say it's like a it's a nice comfort show that like if you are comfortable you know like separating it from the real world and like being like this is like a fantasy about the government helping people (laughs) or like let's pretend that like chris pratt is just andy dwyer and doesn't exist outside (laughs) in the real world it's like enjoy it it's well written you know it's very sweet i appreciate it a lot you know i really enjoy amy poehler i guess it's like the the short i could have just said that but you know words (laughs) (laughs) well you had to find a a place to put a chris pratt dig so i get it yeah yeah because like (laughs) fuck that guy you know replace him with jack black always and it's better (laughs) that's a popular solution that you have for things you know sometimes the popular thing is the thing that works where you're like you know what yeah that works (laughs) i mean you could replace him with viola davis too and like that would work as well she would kill it i'm just saying you know i don't disagree i don't disagree i thought she did a really good job here directing when it came to the actors. Um, I yeah. thought the actors were really, really good. And I thought just, I don't know, well, she's obviously an actor. So mm-hmm. know, I, yeah. I guess that helped. It doesn't always, as we've seen. But I thought there was a lot of great on-screen chemistry, especially when it came to um, the lead women, the troop, the, you know, the, the Moxie team. Team Moxie, Club Moxie. Yeah. I don't know what they're called, but you know what <laughs> I mean. I don't know what they're called either. <laughs> so in terms of cast... Hadley Robinson, who I was not familiar with, plays Vivian. Um, I thought she did a pretty good job. Oh, yeah. No, I thought she did, too. I mean, we'll 
We'll get into like controversial takes later. (laughs) (laughs) But I do want to preface and say that like, you know, I was unfamiliar with her work. I thought she was, you know, really good. Nothing against her as a person and performer. She is 26. It seems like they cast it up in this film. I'm not really sure why, because it wasn't like, there didn't seem to be a legit reason for it. But yeah. um, a lot of 26-year-olds, 27-year-olds, even 28-year-olds playing high schoolers. She was unknown enough to me where it didn't affect me in that negative of a way. Right. Lauren Sai played her best friend, Claudia. Cool. Cool best yeah. friend. <laughs> <laughs> this next person I really liked was Alicia Pascal Pena. She played Lucy. <laughs> it's good to see a uh, Latin actor, especially an Afro Latin actor, Dominican like me, so New Yorker like me from the Bronx. Oh, so, I'm not, not that I'm from the Bronx, but she is. <laughs> so honestly, growing up Dominican, I never saw any Dominican actors in movies. Eventually, you got certain people, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, Zoe Zaldana, people like that, but... Mm-hmm. And Zoe Saldana was in a lot of teen films, but I don't think anyone knew. Yeah. We had Vampires vs. Bronx on Netflix, and uh, Critical Thinking was a movie that came out last year, so good to see more Dominican rep- representation, that's for sure. You know, and, and the cast, it goes deep, right? There's a lot of yeah. people who were unknowns, but there was a lot of like really cool people as well. Sydney Park played Kiera, Angelica Washington played Amaya. I thought it was great that the trans character was played by a trans actor. You know, that's great to see. Josie Tota, she's pretty well-known. She was on Big Mouth. Big Mouth, yeah. A trans character on that, too. Which is nice, Yeah, I'm so so happy for her that, like, she's able to actually be in roles that are aligned with her experience. Where I'm like, just do that. Cast trans people in trans roles. It's not that hard. They're out there. They're good. For sure. And, And... Not just that, like, as opposed to, like, a lot of people in this, she's a trans teenager, like, still, you know? So (laughs) that's an experience she 100% probably understands. Something I said on The Contenders, and it's not necessarily a criticism, because I think it is a good thing overall that I'm left with this feeling, but I Mm -hmm. thought that, like, the other people in the Moxie group were so great and so interesting that I wish I knew more about them, and I wish this was more of a balanced story rather than yeah. the, the story of just uh, just Vivian. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to figure out when I can I can drop my perspective about Vivian. Like, if I should just drop just it say now. It. Just say it. Don't. Okay. Worry. I honestly, I think that Vivian should not have been the lead character. I think that there were more interesting perspectives because i understand why they went for it you know i mean i guess like it's based off the book i never read so i know like being very Mm -hmm. glib being like but it's like i don't know how revolutionary it is to like keep centering perspectives in like white woman like that lane where it's like there's nothing there's nothing new really being added. I don't want to say of value because maybe the perspective is valuable to like a shy white high school girl in like Ohio who's like, you know, oh, wow, like I didn't think about this. But it's like, I think it would have been way more interesting to follow Claudia or Lucy and like make the audience being like, you are going to empathize with this character. Because I think that like, 
there is still too much of a tendency to cater to white fragility and be like, we don't expect white people to empathize with black people and like Latinx people and Asian people. It's like, we should, we should make that, you know, a two-way street that it's like, if we expect all people of color to like see themselves in the white protagonist it's like well we got to do the same thing and force white people to be like you know what fucking empathize with lucy look at her badass eyeshadow like i want to know her perspective and like see that you know because i think that can be helpful too instead of catering to like white girls white people you know because i also hate the the idea that um you know if the protagonist is a girl being like oh, well, boys can't see themselves in this movie, so we gotta, you know, like, change the name of Rapunzel to Tangled. It's like, dude, really? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck right off. I think, like, without something new to the, the thing, like, ooh, like Miranda Priestly voice, like, a shy white straight girl learning about feminism? Groundbreaking. You know? <laughs> like... Like, give me more. So that's my stance on Vivian. Like, and, I, as and a that's character. fair. And that's totally, totally fair. It's, I mean, it's in. I think it's in league with what I was thinking. One perspective, though, that I did appreciate from her, and I also understand, like you, that this comes from a book. I'm sure Vivian's the main character. One perspective that I did appreciate from her, uh, I think they were trying to do here was uh, acknowledging the whole, like, uh, 90s feminism, riot girl kind of movement, but mm. also pointing out, yeah, it was mostly white people, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. who were involved in this. It wasn't inclusive enough. And they whole, they go through a whole list of things, uh, specifically, like, the mom, Amy Poehler's character and her. And that, you know, that was cool to see, that acknowledgement. Right. And, like, I'm not going to burn it all down because the main character was white, because I'm also watching this from a high school film perspective because I see a lot of these films. But I'll say, to me, that's what didn't make the film groundbreaking. The film was still very enjoyable to me. The film was fun. Um, Some of the tropes here were tropes I see in a lot of these movies, and I actually enjoy and like seeing. But I think a more... They try to highlight other people, but I think if they balanced it more around a little bit, at the very least, I think think it would have gone to that next level maybe that book smart level not the book smart did that i'm just right. saying i'm just saying book smart as a uh, iconic film i think that like after watching um the half of it by alice Wu in like quarantine uh, my isolation like that movie is so groundbreaking to me because like of the perspective and i just wish that you know while acknowledging the shortcomings of riot girl which again is a genre i really enjoy like i'm not a i'm admittedly not a huge bikini kill fan i like a few of their songs i'm way more into whole and i know that courtney love is problematic but also is way too vilified it's very interesting but like (laughs) you know it's like i love that genre but yeah there are there are so many bands that like don't get acknowledged like x-ray specs is such a cool band um they're from like 1979 in the UK and they have a song called Oh Bondage Up Yours which is a jam so it's like um you know the problem with Riot Girls and music category is it's so white centered and I appreciate them critiquing that but also unfortunately I think that because they didn't shift the perspective around 
enough or dig in a little deeper? Because if they dug in like the half of it, exploring, you know, like what it's like to be Asian and have a parent who like doesn't speak English a lot. I'm like, that was so interesting to me. And like to be Asian and queer, I'm like, ooh, give me more Alice Wu. I, I fucking love Alice Wu. You know, when they didn't add other like nuance and depth to that perspective, it's like, you're kind of perpetuating the problem unintentionally. I mean, I enjoy Riot Girl and Moxie. So this isn't me like burning it down, being like, fuck them both, you know, like set them in flames. It's more just, man, if you just shifted your lens to like Lucy or Claudia, it would have been like a little sharper and like a little bit more like, yes, you know? And I get that, yeah, like Dylan's white and like Amy obviously. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know how many people of color that they had in the film, but I know that like behind the scenes, but I know that there was effort made with the soundtrack, like including bands like, you know, and Tierra Whack and Ebony Bones and the Linda Lindas and CSS. It's like the soundtrack, they found these cool bands that are in the genre and they added them to it. So it's like, I'm happy that they get, you know, the exposure that like Bikini Kill and Taco Cat get. For sure, for sure. And I guess uh, the silver lining of all this too is that at least they did create characters, as I said, that we do want more from that seem really interesting. And it's not like, oh, who's this random person in the background? And they do give them a voice. But I also understand your perspective of it not going uh, far enough I mean, and we mentioned that Amy Poehler, like you said, yes, she is white, but she is a she is a director, obviously, but also in the film as well as the mom, the cool mom, not her yep. mean girl's cool mom, a different kind of cool mom. I enjoy both the characters, but, yeah. <laughs> but a different kind of cool mom. Uh, I, I liked her as I this mom too. character, you know, even though she ends up dating Clark Gregg, who's not, he's not the worst. Uh, no. That guy's not the worst. He's he's just very like mayo in the movie, which yeah. I feel like is the point. Like yeah. I do, I do love that they they address white frustration and angst, like with her character and like that dinner scene towards the end where she is a bit of a dick, and it's she like she's sixteen, but like. I felt like that was very like true to real life and accurate. Even if some people don't want to be like, I never did that when I was 16. I'm like, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She was being a real teenager in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> We've been there. <laughs> in terms of the guys in school, uh, there's Patrick Schwarzenegger, who is the worst. Um, yep. <laughs> he, he's 27 and looks like it, but he is just... Oh, damn. Terrible. Okay. Yeah, I mean, whoops. I'm just going to, like, sip on my tea and be like, I didn't think he... I didn't know he was 27. I thought he was much older, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, it's still bad. <laughs> still bad. <laughs> His character is very interesting, Mitchell. You know, we'll get into him. Um, he's definitely one of the main villains of this film. He is rather one note. I mean, I think I think it's fine because do I really want empathy in this character? I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. bad dude. Bad dude overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the other guy, Nico Haraga plays Seth, who's like the antithesis of, of yeah. Mitchell. I, oh. I really appreciated his character. Also, just the fact that, like, you know, he's 
the opposite of Long Duck Dong. Like he's an Asian guy who's allowed to be the love interest and be aspirational and like not, you know, like they didn't fetishize his race, like being like, oh, he's attractive for an Asian guy. No, like, no, thank no. God. They were just thank like, God. he's a cute skater boy. And I'm like, yes, you know, we all have eyes. He's a cute skater boy. He was very charming. Like it was like a nice combination of like non-threatening and like a good a good starting off point. I feel like in some ways I'm pitching a slightly different movie by turning the camera angle because like I think for the her vision it was good to not interrogate his character very gently like it worked for that but like I probably would have interrogated his character a little gently because like you know he was doing and saying good things but I think it's also really depressing that like there's this low bar that like cis men you know if they clear it it's like they get clapped i don't know if that's a great lesson to like teach i feel like that should be like this is the standard and if you pass it great but like you know that's basic and everyone deserves that that basic nice respecting consent respecting boundaries you know like not being creepy like patrick schwarzenegger wow did i just blank on his <laughs> name i really <laughs> no, don't okay. care about him <laughs> ah! you know so it's like i think that was really good i really appreciated that they they had like a love interest that you know it was just like a nice dude throughout and they didn't do that twist of like haha you thought he was a nice guy but secretly because i was worried about that i was waiting for it to happen not in a good way i was like oh you know he seems too nice he seems too nice he's really a one note character with the fact that he's just like the perfect guy it can't be true but you're right i'm glad they didn't do that i was so relieved that he ended up just being a, a nice person and Sure, like I said, is he a little one-dimensional? But, but um, when I look back at teen films, there are these guys throughout, right? Like mm. the, the Jake Ryans of the world. But then we yeah. look back and they're like, you know what? That guy was kind of not cool. You know, that guy yeah, was... Jake Ryan was <laughs> kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, like, doing bad things. Out. So <laughs> it's nice that the hunk, if you will, in a, in a teen film, like what makes him like hot is... That he's a respectful person. I know. Yeah. I know. And uh, Iceland pointed this out. I know it's weird that they show his like six pack, and it's like, ooh, you know, <laughs> right, <laughs> teenage right. boy six pack. So they do fetish him a little bit in that a sense, bit, but... but it's not crazy. And I'm imagining yeah. we're watching it from her perspective. And if he was an actual teenager, it probably wouldn't look like that. You know what I mean? She's yeah. Like... <laughs> I mean, it's also there is a dissonance I find in teen movies where it's like, you know, like I love Ten Things I Hate About You. But it's like Heath Ledger is a grown ass man in real life. But in that movie, he's supposed to be like 17. And it's like, I would not be ogling a 17 year old because I'm like, that is a child. Like, no. But it's like in real life, I'm like, oh, right. He's a grown ass man. So, same thing with like, you know, like Nico, he's like playing a teenager. So you're like, right this is uncomfortable because I know he's a grown ass man in real life. And like, this would be fine if he were playing a grown ass man, but you're like, Oh, right. He's 16 and she's 16. And like, we're just suspending our disbelief and using our imagination to like work through (laughs) uncomfortable feelings. And we get to see some of the teachers here too. Speaking of uncomfortable, uh, 
Ike Barinholtz, who I really like, he was in Blockers, which is a great, oh, yeah. great teen film. He yes. plays uh, whatever the, his teacher name is, but I love that character because he reminds me so much of just uh, people, especially men who are uncomfortable talking about feminism or anything like right, anything mm-hmm. that's a controversial right and he's a teacher that is more realistic than a lot of the teachers i see in films because i, I oh, think back yeah. to the people i know who became teachers and they're people like him you know <laughs> <laughs> right yeah no i loved that how are women portrayed well i think the real question is why are we still reading this book it's written by some rich white guy about some rich white guy and i guess we're supposed to feel bad for him because he's obsessed with the only girl he can have. I mean, if the point is to learn about the American dream, we should be reading about immigrants or the working class or black mothers or at least someone who doesn't already have a mansion. Like that was very specific. And I think that was one of the stronger elements because like it would have been strange to have like, like if you think about like the designated like cool teacher like usually like your history teacher or like your English teacher you know who's like the cool one who's like younger and like you know has that sign that was like you don't matter give up like when you read it and it's supposed to be like don't give up you matter but the way that it's graphically designed (laughs) that was perfect so like of course when cool like cis man I don't know what, uh, oh yeah, I guess he was English teacher because Great Gatsby is called out on very like, I don't even want to say like controversial. It's more like topics that require a lot of nuance and Mm -hmm. it's like, Mm -hmm. they don't want to engage in nuance. It's just like read fucking Great Gatsby and like I'm a little hungover is the vibe, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. And it's not so much, I love the dialogue uh, around in that scene and around the Great Gatsby because Lucy is making so many great points there. And like yeah. you said, she's right in, in a sense, but there are other perspectives and there is a way to, right. you know, like listen, receive that perspective because he did ask the question, you know what I mean? About like, uh, wh- how are women treated in the book? And uh, Lucy expanded on it. Like, mm-hmm. why are we still reading this book? And, and she wasn't just like, why are we still reading this book? Because it stinks. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it was a very thoughtful perspective and someone who cares would be like wow thoughtful perspective and and if you do love the great gatsby you know you could defend it in certain ways right like yeah right. yes we should be reading those books but this is what and instead he just was like uh you know he just yeah he just, he just like, didn't know what to do with that he didn't, I mean. and he didn't want to you know so when yeah. patrick schwarzenegger's character is like we read it because it's great blood blood and like he's you know he's being a, a complete asshole right Right. I mean, it's not like his character was going to come in and be like, well, we're reading it because Gatsby is gay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. I know that it doesn't make sense for, like, someone who, like, outwardly is very pro-socialism to also be like, I enjoyed The Great Gatsby as a piece of literature, but I'm like, I do. It does make fun of rich people, and Gatsby is definitely gay like that is a gay book you know i don't get a i don't detect a whiff of heterosexuality from you know like many a people in that book but like see you in that classroom might have raised your hand and said something like that or right e- and then or even the fact the, that... like dear god why perspective <laughs> like no <laughs> let me be hungover <laughs> But even if you wanted to defend the book in a sense of saying, like what you said, like, yes, there are rich people, but it's also very much a 
criticism of that life. Like, we're not here to defend the Great Gatsby, obviously, but the point is, like, there's room for dialogue on most sides, but... As soon as uh, Mitchell gives the teacher a lane to just, like, bring class back to, like, let's just talk about what I want to talk about normal things. He's like, yep, great. Let's talk mm. about Nick Carraway. He just says, oh, yeah. he's like, he says, you're a regular Nick Carraway. Let's talk about it. And he's right. like, remember him? Uh, Tobey Maguire played him in the movie. Or oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That movie just gives me, like, flames on the side of my face. Like... <laughs> And then um, the other teacher or authority figure I really wanted to bring up was uh, Prince, the principal, Marsha Gay Harden, who yeah. is the worst. And oh, there have been is. there have been arguments made for or anti this character. I think the other day I was kind of saying she she just seems not pure evil, but you know, really one dimensional to me. Mm. Like I think she's accurate, and her cruelty is just like in her like complacency and how dismissive she is because like that's the thing that I find like the most I guess despicable about her character is that instead of you know like protecting young girls who are unfortunately you know like sexualized and like not immediately taught like hey you have agency and like instead of you know like I loved the like question that she that Lucy brought up like I think that was really important where she stood up for herself and she's you know essentially like being like why can't he just not be a dick you know like (laughs) why like instead of centering the behavior on you know essentially like victim blaming which is like what she's doing a lot like she's really perpetuating that and like punishing you know young girls for having bodies and like which was real back in the day at least that was real yeah Uh, yeah i mean honestly i'm so impressed with like the the younger generation i hate the whole like gen z millennial like whatever the term but like gen z you know i'm like i'm very impressed i'm very team them i think that it's so dumb that the internet's trying to be like millennials versus gen z i'm like we both can't buy houses. Let's just like like keep the focus on the boomers. That's what they want. You know, they want us to be infighting so that we're not actually fighting the power structures and the systems that are making us both, you know, unhappy. I really wish that like when I was in high school that I spoke up more, you know? Like I think that that's something that like I really – I'm so happy to see, you know, like teenagers today, like standing up and organizing, like Emma Gonzalez. I'm like, she's fucking incredible, you know, <laughs> like, yes, question the system, question all the things. So I think that she, the principal just like angered me so much that like with the way that she, um, you know, didn't want to essentially like compromise her position of power. You know, like she she would rather preserve an institution that turns a blind eye to very serious problems so she can keep collecting awards. And I'm like, yeah, you can fuck off. (laughs) Yeah. As I watched it again, I definitely got that more um, the second time around. Specifically, the fact that a lot of it is that it's easier to do nothing sometimes. And that and like, I definitely think that there there's some of that in here yeah it's easier to dismiss these things it's hard to say to the the most popular guy in school you're right. the bad guy if especially someone in, in authority like that they should be doing that they that's should. their role but i don't think they necessarily 
show it because again they're not bringing you know perspective and empathy to this character which is good because like i think that his character is not really deserving of our empathy and understanding through his no, actions. No, But it's very clearly presented, like, or, like, hinted at that it's, like, he comes from a wealthy family, you know? Like, it's not like um, he's, like, struggling financially. Like, part of the whole thing is, like, he's, like, a good-looking, able-bodied, cis-het white dude from, like, a well-off family. And, like, you just kind of know it by the way that they present the character, the way, like, he carries himself. So it's, like, I think there's that, like, subtle thread, too, that she probably isn't rocking the institution because, like, this dude brings prestige and clout, you know, even though the football team is, like, objectively the worst. Like, I think that's, like, a very... It's a very accurate Massachusetts detail. I have not seen a, like Massachusetts high school with a good football team. I have seen a Massachusetts high school with like a lot of rich kids on the football team. So like they bring in the clout, they bring in the money, they bring in the funding. And like, would she compromise that even though he's objectively the worst? Like she should, but she doesn't. For sure. And uh, Marsha Gay Harden, Oscar winner, loves seeing things. So she was so good absolutely absolutely good job her (laughs) so when we talk about like really the things that are happening in this film um we touched on a lot of them already just because to me this is a character movie first rather than like an event movie yeah (laughs) but basically you know as we said in the netflix explanation uh vivian i guess she has a little bit of a feminist awakening when she meets some cool people like lucy and other other folks and she starts her moxie zine and uh becomes kind of a underground hero she doesn't admit that she's the writer for it but essentially she's able to get some people together to kind of rebel against a lot of these schools institution for example the mitchell character is running for some student athlete position like not it's not prom king but it's like most yeah, popular student athlete, essentially. And he gets right, like, where they get, you know, money for a scholarship. And it's like, you know, that absolutely. It's just like, mm. <laughs> Yeah, like he needs it. Um, <laughs> right? He's so poor, you know? So uh, th- there's a cool party, teen party. I-, I liked that party. I did too. I thought it was like the perfect amount of like teen, cool, and cringe. Like, all wrapped into And that's what you need in that kind of thing, right? Like, that's what you need. I know we've talked off-air about, like, tropical culture and Hawaiian culture and stuff like that. But a a teen definitely doesn't have the nuance for that kind of party. But but to me, I I loved seeing that. I love the guy hosting and, like, he just keeps using these lines. Like, that feels real, you know? Oh, my God, totally. (laughs) Yeah. The least real thing about these high school teen movie parties is that everybody goes to the party, which doesn't, I don't think, happen in real life, right? Like, I feel like the Moxie girls would not be at this party, you know? Right. (laughs) Yeah, I I do too, but I get that they had to, like, have sort of, like, you know, coming together of, like, who is Moxie? And, like, let's actually organize you know yeah and if they're gonna do it and we get to see a teen party in it i'm all for it right yeah yeah totally and they come together in that like that man cave or whatever which is 
a fun setting for that to happen. Right. And one of their first big agendas that they push is, so they decide to push Kiera, which is one of the soccer players in the Moxie group, um, basically get her this scholarship. And they have a really cool effort in doing it. And I honestly love the way it ended because at mm. the end of the day, Mitchell won. And he probably won yeah. big, right? They were really disappointed, really sad. But how real was that moment? Oh, it was so real. I mean, that's that's the thing that I really appreciated because, like, I think it's important to, like, have those moments where it's, like, you have to have, like, contrast of, like, highs and lows and success and failure and, like, get, like, especially, like, I think it's it's helpful to get people who are teenagers, like, used to that concept because you can't, like, as much as Hollywood and movies and art is escapist, it's, like, unfortunately the reality is that like you know straight white dudes have a an institutional advantage especially if they're wealthy so it's like of course he he won it would have been nice to see kiara win but like fuck you needed that little little slap of reality and being like oh this is why like we need more um people speaking up against institutions and like questioning the system and questioning like how we operate as a society because if it's just like oh she won then people will be like well we don't need feminism we got feminism solved yeah yeah it's (laughs) like no 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 feminism not solved it's it's an ongoing process that like (laughs) and it was great because it escalated the group to be a little bit more militant you know a little bit more in your face which was awesome and which is probably necessary right like you know, winning the election. This isn't freaking Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, Pedro won. You know what I mean? (laughs) Let's all feel good about that weirdness. But yeah, I mean, again, I liked seeing it because that was one of the more anchored, realistic plot points, I think, in this film. Yeah, agreed. I'm just going through my notes and I totally forgot that they go on a date to a funeral home. What'd you think? Oh, yeah. Okay, which one do you pick? And remember, whichever casket you pick says a lot about you. Pressure's on. Kind of like in this one. Bold choice. Glossy. Mm. I love it. I love it. Wait, so how many sisters do you have? Three. All older. I bet you're a pretty cute kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all right. (laughs) I I got my hair braided a lot. I also know all the names to the American Girl dolls. Do you really? Yeah. No, you don't. Josefina. Molly. Addie. Oh my god, what is that? It's my heart. You want it? <laughs> What'd you think of that? <laughs> okay, it's one of these things that it's like, it's super weird. Because like, when you think about it, like it's it's really an instance that only works in a movie. And like, you have to understand that. Yeah, it's like perplexing when you think about it. But somehow Amy Poehler managed to pull it off and make it cute, you know, where you're like... Which is crazy, but you're right, yeah. Yeah, because it it had this, like, nice, you know, conversational flow to it. And you're like, okay, what what is this? Like, why? (laughs) Like, what 16-year-old is like, I know a cool place and takes you to... Because, like, graveyard goth boy, yes, I could see that. Like, graveyard goth dates, like, that's... 
definitely a thing but i feel like funeral home like i was thinking like how the fuck did he get in does he know a security guard <laughs> like he said he why was are like they in a coffin it, like yeah. what point that also, see that was a little bit too much for me right yeah like, maybe it, it was very things and, and then, then i would say like i liked that he wasn't pushy or aggressive on you know the date i think like being soft and masculine is a real asset where it was like he just was like very like soft and attentive and like you know non-threatening like he was very respectful and like i liked that he didn't make a move but then like ended up being like hey you know i really want to like kiss you is that cool because i think there's so much like you know pressure put on guys to be like you have to be the one who kisses first and like no emotions no talking about how you feel like you know and it was like i'm like i liked that i will say on a level i know the american girl doll thing is like you know cute but i hate that molly is his favorite like the tomboy because i think <laughs> it, it like subtly perpetuates this like you know not like other girls thing and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with being tomboys but like i would have had more respect if he's like i like samantha because she's a rich ass bitch and, like, <laughs> you know like it's like i think samantha's like the most femme one that i could think of because she's the rich ass bitch and she has that like that like bow and like the plaid dress and like is like very you know feminine coordinated so it's like i would have loved to see him like love femininity a little bit more like i think that would have been that would have been a swerve that would have been like ooh. okay like you you know like you know femininity and like samantha's not a bimbo but it's like i want more like bimbo appreciation i want you know there to be like teen guys in movies that are like you know i fucking love pink you know i think that women can have like really long nails and be smart too like it's such a low depressing bar you know like just like appreciate femininity more and not femininity that kind of like mirrors masculinity because gender is a construct and it's all very like uh <laughs> to talk about but yeah that was that was my like mini line critique that i just wanted to take a stance that it's like it's not that revolutionary for like a teen boy to like so like a character that's like similar to masculinity where i'm like make it make it a little bit better amy you know i mean that would have been cool that's an interesting it would have been cool i think yeah you know no no offense to molly or tomboys just like you know i want internalized misogyny to be combated and like combat it <laughs> this is one of the only movies i've seen too where and i know they were doing it on purpose and i get it but and i'm not criticizing it either but where like you know vivian is the one who's more the aggressor is a bad word to say, you know? Yeah, but like, I, mean, she... I don't like that framing. <laughs> no, no. And I know I, like, alluded to it. No, earlier, but, it, it, but it's something we do see framed in, how, like, what, 90% of teen films, right? Yeah. And it's just it's just different. I mean, I, I'm in agreement with you. I, I don't like it at all. But it's, I mean, it's something, again, I guess, you know, they did on purpose. I don't know if it's... It, it was a little weird, not in the sense, oh, because the girl is making the moves. I want to make that clear. That's yeah. not why I, I think it's weird. It did seem a little forced, but I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I think this is not a very nuanced film, I guess is the best best way to put it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's really in your face. But you know what? Sometimes that's fine. And I'm not picking on this instance. 
I'm, I'm saying an overall thing. There's a lot here that is not nuanced. There's a lot here that's just like, we're going to you know, hit you in the head with this message because it's an important message. And that's not always a bad thing. No, no. I think it can be um, very useful. I think something that's a little bit like, you know, complex to, to narrow down, but it's like, like feminist awakenings. I don't think that right out of the gate, you're going to come out and be like bell hooks level or like Audre Lorde <laughs> or like, you know, it's like, she's a 16 year old girl learning about feminism. And it's like, I'm, I'm impressed by like the discussions I see like that, like teens are having on the internet or like the points they make or call out, but it's like, you know, she's a teenage girl girl she's not fully mature yet and even so like there are there are feminists who are like in their 30s 40s 50s 60s who are like streets behind her but I think it's a bit unrealistic to like have a teen character who listens to like bikini kill you know one time and jumps around (laughs) and suddenly is like you know really well versed in the nuances of like feminism and how to be intersectional when you're looking at feminism so what if we saw the movie from more of a perspective that maybe it's not for us, but maybe, and I'm just putting it out there, that it's maybe for teenagers to see and be like, oh, this is cool, and like maybe start their own journeys rather than, you know, awakening where you're solving every question. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I think that's a really interesting and valid perspective. And it's like, I do, I do still stand by that, like, having that sort of messy awakening in like Lucy's position or Claudia's position would have been really interesting too because like if white girls are held to like a standard with feminism and like their awakening it's like we don't allow black girls to be children like we expect that they're grown-ass women and it's like I can't imagine that pressure you know so it's like I think that seeing like Lucy stand up for herself, but then also like maybe mess up a little bit. Like that would have been good to be like, you know what? Like, yeah, people make mistakes and cause harm. And it's about accountability and how we like handle ourselves and that responsibility or like Claudia. Like I think Claudia is such an interesting character because like the film, I'm sorry, I know I'm like jumping ahead to that conversation that I think needed more nuance but i appreciate that that they included her like directly calling out hey vivian like you know my like my mom and i have a different dynamic and relationship and you don't know what it's like from like her perspective yeah she literally says white you know yeah she's like you are never seen i'm like thank you call that out because like claudia couldn't do the tank top um protest and it's like i saw that and it was like yeah like that and like you know you could kind of see vivian like framing it like being like oh she doesn't care she's not a feminist it's like no 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 like there are people who like don't agree with the patriarchy and like those values but like you know are stuck in a difficult position and like you know vivian's punishment compared to like Claudia it's like Claudia like got suspended and like is grounded and like you're like oh shit you know Vivian gets in trouble her punishment is having dinner with like her mom and her her mom's like male boyfriend I'm like 
she didn't even get grounded <laughs> like nothing <laughs> like I'm like that is wild to me so it's like I wish if they had it you know even more centered in Claudia's perspective I'm like that could have been cool to see her like you know discover Riot Girl. like maybe she discovers like Asian bands like the, the Linda Lindas are um half Asian and half Latinx which I think is really cool mm-hmm. from, like I did not know that <laughs> so it's like having like that discovery too or like you know her questioning like you know why this music is so like white centric and like while dealing with all that like yeah I would have been here for that too for sure for sure and the Claudia character like you said is just a very interesting character and you know you put it in the nutshell perfectly right there we see her and it is this typical story of like two best friends who are growing apart and I was a little nervous about it to be honest with you I thought it was going to be like you know she was going to be super opposed to it but they did the the, the good swerve the nice swerve where yeah. they explained her reasoning and why she was behaving the way she was and it made total and perfect sense and it comes to that moment where she actually is the one who leaves most the most on the line compared to anyone there not just in school but with her family as you said and ends up taking the biggest hit and she calls out her friend in a way that she needed to be called out. Yeah. It changes from our perspective. Like, see, she was just too shy to join the movement. We're like, oh, you know what? We're all assholes, theoretically. You know what I mean? We're all assholes right. for having that line of thinking. And I love, too, how Vivian's not the only character who feels that way. Because there's other characters who don't know her friend as well who are, like, questioning her loyalty. But then when she does, you know, for lack of a better term, take one for the team, I mean... Uh, again, I just love how it comes to that moment. So I, yeah, I, I enjoyed Cl- the Claudia character very much. Yeah, same. I mean, I do wish that, again, this is me just like replugging the the half of it, but I'm like, make Claudia gay. <laughs> like, <laughs> do it. <laughs> We're going to talk the half of it on the, actually the kind of high school slumber party spinoff that Island and I are uh, starting is going to focus on more modern films like this because the half of it is a great example of a movie that not enough people saw. It wasn't talked about enough. And in the middle of pandemic, people were obviously panicking, understandably. And like, let's watch Tiger King and everything. Yeah. You know, like. Oh that feels like 84 years ago when the it's... internet was united with Tiger King. <laughs> but, but that's what it was, right? Like, people would get behind one or two things. And I feel like very few people were discovering things like the half of it and even some other great projects on some other streaming services. So we're hoping to, uh, with High School Slumber Party AP, kind of shine the light on these projects in the last couple of years that, that got overlooked. Some good. Some bad, because some are going to be American Pie sequels. So I I definitely can't wait to talk about the half of it, because I think it does a lot of things that are so good here. But you're right. Like, Alice Wu is not Amy Poehler in terms of notoriety. So this movie got seen. I'm happy it got seen. I'm glad it got seen. And honestly, it's also sometimes unfairly examined a little bit too much because Amy Poehler directed it, right? Like, if it just fell into right. the background and, like, we just randomly discovered this film. Not me and you. Yeah, but you just, know, like, just as a, a collective. As a collective, yeah. As a that... bunch of, like, lonely, feral um, people locked inside their own houses. Like, like we, we would might have a different perspective because, like, oh, what is this cool new thing? But for everything great a name like Amy Poehler brings, there's also, not negative, but there's, it's like, 
over analysis sounds like it's a negative thing, but if I really believed it was a negative thing, I wouldn't have a film podcast, you know. Right. <laughs> but just the, the the magnifying glass is on this film a lot more than other films. And by the way, that's totally fine. But you mentioned something interesting about making characters gay. Was there a gay storyline in this? Kind of. It was like a very blinking you miss it that like Lucy and oh my god, I'm blanking on the other um moxie like you know member um they kiss at a concert it's very quick and that's like another thing that like i I just would have loved to see like again i i feel like lucy and claudia are like you know two of my three picks where i'm like "Mm," for like people because i think part of the problem is with like the vivian problem is that she is realistic in the sense that like you do have shy white teenage girls who are figuring themselves out and don't have a a fully formed identity that's very realistic and i think that's a very you know like valid character to explore but at the same time it's like you have lucy who's so interesting and like you have cj like the trans character where i'm just like you could have centered on cj and it would have been so interesting or like you have all of these interesting side and background characters that like just would have been a little bit more nuanced than Vivian to focus on. Or if you like added more nuance to Vivian, like does Vivian struggle with mental illness? Like does she deal with anxiety? Is that the source of her shyness? Or like, you know, is it personality trait? I love that. Like, is it a personality trait or a (laughs) mental disorder? (laughs) Like, maybe she's born with it maybe it's mental illness but like you know something like that just like adding a different perspective I mean I'm very much of the the line of thought that you can make something better by making it more gay but you can't make (laughs) something better by making it more straight and that's just science and facts you know Uh, and again, something we explored very much on the prom with yes. James, James Corden. Uh, <laughs> you know, I appreciate your perspective on that for sure. And you're right. I didn't even catch it, but but I'm looking it up now that Amaya and Lucy were apparently a couple. Wish they... Oh, okay, that's, that's her name. Yeah, I wish like... they showed a little bit more of that. Yeah. yeah, that would have been really cute. And being like, okay, like center that. And I mean, I mean, it's also, you know, again, like coming out narratives and queer films, it's like, they're important, but they're also so done. So it's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I do appreciate that it was normalized and it wasn't like a big deal it's not like everyone stopped at the concert and like looked at them and were like you're no, gay they didn't need please don't do that like you know, but they just, maybe <laughs> you a little know bit i didn't more want moments, the world so. to stop and like put so much pressure on these like two fictional teens played by real life adults you know like <laughs> like yeah I, I would just a little bit more on screen affection that like normal teenagers have yeah. would be nice but like again let's not like put the spotlights on the What's what's going on here? You know, I get that. I get that for sure. Overall, though, again, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a fun movie, but it does paint in these broad strokes where it's like, again, intro level feminism, intro level whatever you want to be for this movie. But this isn't the movie where you're going to learn a lot. This is just again very, very, very broad strokes here. But let's talk about kind of the ending, which is a bit. I don't want to say controversial, but it has been talked about on the old interweb. 
So the Patrick Schwarzenegger character is a bad, bad person. They complain about him a lot. Legitimate complaints, because again, even before what we learn in the end, he's a bad, bad person. Yeah, like he he spits in Lucy's soda, which in like COVID times, I'm like, fuck <laughs> you. But, but that that uh that uh, vending machine scene is chilling. Yeah, just how you know crappy of a human being he is there, like forcing himself like on her and like uh, you know why aren't you looking at me kind of thing you know right it's it's pathetic and and disgusting and he's just like he's a bad person and we see him getting rewarded constantly in this film just for again he ends up winning the scholarship as he said even before that they put him on the the tv network in the morning and uh they don't put the candidate he's running against and for like a stupid reason oh you didn't ask it's like yeah, you didn't mention that it was available, you know, mm. and I, I totally get that. But the movie is kind of, it's put in a different perspective and things like get very radicalized because uh, there's a character and I can't remember her name now. She's like circling the group wanting to join. She's a really popular girl. I should mention quickly that one of my favorite elements, because I think it's too real and something that even happens still today because... The movie, I think, like, if it's going to be Gen Z, as you mentioned, didn't focus enough on the cyber things that happen today in terms of Mm. everything's happening on Instagram. Everything's happening on TikTok. Things are happening on social media things that you and I don't even know exist, right? And that's how kids are communicating. We didn't see hardly any of that here. But the one instance we do see is that list that goes out to everyone where, like, they grade the girls, like, best ass or flirty or whatever they say you know like uh best selfie it's all really disgusting and subjective really like tucker max stuff you know Mm, (laughs) mm. i think people forget that right before this uh me too and this kind of new wave of feminism there was like a not that it doesn't exist anymore but like it was kind of normalized that um do you know what this movement i'm talking about is called like where they had like a the book on like how to pick up ladies, you know, in Barnes oh, and Noble. Oh, like, like pick up artists and like, um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I mean, I was probably going to use like a little bit more like academic of like, I feel like there is like psychological patriarchy at play, like in that era where like, it's not that, you know, I think people who like grew up in like the early 2000s were like, yes, I love diet culture and I want to carve myself in a way that is most appealing to, you know, cis straight dudes. And like, even then it would probably just have been like short into straight dudes. But it's like, because like patriarchy and misogyny is so ingrained from an early age, like it is a system that is, you know, in conjunction with capitalism, we're doing exactly what it was designed to do, that it's hard to like cars through and you know like be like you know what that's really fucked up that like we you know send girls home for wearing shorts you know or tank tops like wow gross you know or like the complacency that's sort of shown with that list of like being like well it's inevitable so I guess like I don't like being ranked you know like 
hottest ass like here it was like very uncomfortable and I'm like yeah we frame it as a compliment or the way that like catcalling used to be framed as a compliment being like well he just thinks you're really pretty so like why don't you smile and, like, but, and, this, and this was a big part of culture especially again uh, like you said early 2000s um think of something like uh like the wedding crashers right like yeah. and i'm not and i'm not gonna be here be like oh don't watch those movies those comedies whatever take them in context but like the, the science behind stuff like wedding crashers right like that like you know the ranking of people like that right. um and it was a really big thing and i think i don't know if it still exists or not i'm sure we haven't solved everything however yeah. i i did like the idea of it in this film because mm-hmm. it it did show to me that there is that mask of well not not Twitter I don't think kids are on Twitter to be honest with you but like mm-hmm. you know Instagram TikTok like there is that mask of that like these people weren't shouting out loud this list like best ass well Patrick Schwarzenegger was people like yeah that. but I I think there's a the majority of people in this school weren't him but they're still complacent in this and they could right. hide behind the fact of the anonymity if you will of this list and i i loved seeing that because that felt 2021 to me where a lot of things didn't necessarily yeah yeah no i i agree i mean i think um part of the issue is like for the strengths that social media you know has like there are still things that i'm sure could be traced back to like you know the early 2000s and like the 1990s and 80s and like going back but I want to specifically hone in on the the early 2000s because I know that there's been like you know a resurgence of like let's apologize to Megan Fox I'm like yeah or like let's apologize to Britney Spears I'm like oh yeah yes apologize to Britney Spears oh my god you know the the like diet culture of like you know having like really thin celebrities but then being like but she's skin and bone she's too thin but it's like but you guys have been pushing thinnesses and I just jamming beauty standards down people's throats and I think that with you know Instagram it's less that like the tabloids and like publications are doing that but it's more like we're kind of policing ourselves and like the Instagram influencers who like obsessively photoshop and like the Kardashians and it's like we've taken a different beauty standard that like can be traced back you know to like Mm, just right the problem is still there it's just on a new medium where we have more control and like that like the anonymity wow i can't pronounce that word (laughs) um like because people are anonymous with that list it's like yeah that's very much correct of like you know with internet culture like being anonymous gives you the ability to be a lot more complacent so like i do i do think it was funny on a, a level like i think there was some texting where they like showed this dog photo but they used the same photo twice and i'm like amy you couldn't find a chow chow to like take a photo of in like different angles like what teen is taking this like standard stock <laughs> you know so i do think there were like little specific details that could have been like just sharpened with the the dialogue you know i heard someone say finna and i'm like that that doesn't sound right that sounds (laughs) like a white person trying to imitate a black person they saw on tv instead of hearing that authentically where i'm like ah you know i mean that's definitely that's definitely fair that sometimes the dialogue was clunky in the film yeah yeah so it's like i would have loved to see to your point it's like i would have loved to see like you know 
a little more social media referencing. It doesn't have to be like, you know, no, not like, yeah. forcing TikTok into every yeah. single thing, but just like a little bit more pointed references. Yeah, I think with a, a little bit more research, they probably could have done that. Um, but I also bring up this list because one of the people who's uh, very much featured for her selfie has been, that's the one who I mentioned was hovering around the group. Oh, yeah. Um, I she, think her name's Emma. Emma, okay. Emma. And she yeah, wants like to join, minutes. and she, you know, feels I don't know for whatever reason we don't know why she's not joining. Eventually, she confides in Vivian that uh, that Mitchell had raped her, and mm. this gets Vivian very upset. I mean, it should. Yeah. And you know, when she finds out the school basically isn't going to do anything about it, that's when she like writes, like you know, and paint every, and uh, the red paint scene, which is cool. And then that's when they have kind of like this moment at the end where they're all telling their stories and i don't know empowering yeah. in the front and people are listening um i'm the one who reached out for help because it felt like moxie was the only one who was listening we're listening we're here and we believe you Last year, after prom, Mitchell Wilson raped me. He was my boyfriend. And he raped me in my own bedroom. And then I got voted most bangable. What does that even mean? Sorry, I don't know what to say. I don't know what I feel. I guess I'm just angry. I'm angry and I want to scream. Do it. I guess what were your thoughts on this angle being added to the film? And I mean, honestly, it's like I think that the subject of, of sexual assault is so important to address thoughtfully and with nuance and space because it like inherently that subject is heavy and it's like i think it was a mistake to put it towards the end because it almost felt like emma to me it almost felt like emma was cannon fodder and i know that wasn't the intention but it's like again this is a different movie and this is probably not amy polar's movie and it would have been hard to like you know, Netflix could not sell this as a comedy, like, in any way at all. But, like, if they centered the movie on Emma and, like, you know, took the whole, like, you know, oh, yeah, she's just, like, a pretty white popular girl. But, like, they explored her and, like, explored for her perspective. I'm not, I'm not saying show it. Like, please, oh, my God, do not show assaults on TV and film anymore. Because, like, no, 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 no. That's, that's something that's, like, it needs to be over and done. But, like, centering from, like her perspective and like how does she feel about being objectified and like how does she feel with this experience and like you know like what are her thoughts and like her awakening you know like I I just like think that it felt almost like a cheap twist and I just kind of wish that like it did have more space and like more space for her and like you know just getting like a little bit more empathy for her like not saying that like 
the movie doesn't have empathy for her, like, because the, the characters did, like, rally around her at the end, and no one was like, you liar, you know? But it's like, what made her write the letter? Like, I want to know more of her motivation and, like, more of her perspective, because that could have been an interesting way to, like, center a feminist awakening around a girl who is white and like who isn't you know like woke or like whatever you know it's like that would have been that would have been cool again very different a lot heavier so it's like my thoughts on that are like I think it is a subject that should be addressed because it is real consequence when you do have you know like the perpetuation of the like boys will be boys and like the way that like you know um Patrick Schwarzenegger's shitty friend just like openly objectified like Jason is that his name yeah okay Jason like was just like also the worst and like objectifying people like when you have that and you just like allow people to get away with that instead of teaching like hey respect people's boundaries like women are people girls are people let's not you know overstep boundaries and like just treat people with respect it's like when you don't teach that and like you just allow that to happen it's incredibly damaging and I know that that's like you know that she approached it with good intentions like I don't think she was thinking of this character as cannon fodder but to me I just felt really bad that I'm like wow this is so rushed like we're still centering on like Vivian's reaction to the assault instead of Emma's reaction to the assault. I feel like there's more, like there should have been more space for her reaction, if that makes sense. For and sure. Like, uh, I mean, from I'm watching on this watch this mm-hmm. time, because I, I really wanted to think about that question and it should have just been introduced earlier and with a lot more nuance. Uh, I Again, I agree with you. I don't think they intended to make it like a, like a OMG twist moment. Yeah, or like a really not a twist for the lead character to learn where it's like, you know, someone's sexual assault is not a lesson for other people. You know, no, it's something no. that like happened to them and is fucking horrible and should never have happened to them. But no. it's like that's something for them to deal with and heal from and like hopefully, you know, surround themselves with people who like care. And that could have been like a good a good thing if like earlier on you know like the moxie family team (laughs) coalition (laughs) i don't know what to call them (laughs) moxie club like if they like welcomed her you know and dispelled the whole like oh she's just like a snobby popular girl like she wasn't mean which is nice i'm glad they didn't like be like she's like the mean bitch like there were no real like mean girl villains and i really appreciated that but no, like, no, but you're just, right. You know, having like showing that community more, I think, could have been helpful, like earlier on. And yeah. then, you know, like using that instead of, you know, going. Because, like, I think it's not even saying that, like, oh, you can't have the scholarship plot and, you know, this. It's like, I think you could do both. Like, I, I just think that, like, if you're going to address sexual assault, you need to, like, you know, be very sensitive to the fact that, like, people deal with, you know, psychological consequences and, like, you know, trigger warnings. Like, I know that, like, shitty conservative right-wing fascists are, like, oh, trigger. It's, like, it's a medical condition. Like, a trigger warning is, like, 
I think, very necessary. <laughs> there needs to be like a, a level of care and research and intent that goes in, you know, to just addressing this topic and doing it in a nuanced way so that you're not, you know, like showing an assault and being like, we did a feminism kids. It's like, no, you just triggered a bunch of people who like have been assaulted and are, you know, perpetuating the objectification of women within, you know, like assault scenarios. Great. You know, like it's, I'm glad they didn't do that, but yeah, I just think like, the end is clunky or like oof couldn't it have been like a different thing <laughs> different ending again I, I know it wasn't intentional but it was something that just pacing wise needed a little bit more time because it also comes off at the end like you see we solved this she's okay now because we're her friends and it's like no yeah. th- that's not you know and I know he gets in trouble by the principal which is a, a great it's great that he's in trouble. You know, he right. should be he should be prosecuted. But I don't know. I don't know. There's something off about it that we shouldn't be having questions about it like this. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I mean, also with like him getting in trouble, it's like there is no it's so open ended because you don't know like. Like, I think you do know in a sense that it's probably going to be like a, a Brock Turner thing of like, we don't want to ruin this young, bright boy's future. And it's like, you know, fuck off. Like, he needs to face consequences, you know, fuck him. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about Brock Turner or his swimming career. But it's like, you know, like, that's sort of the feel that I get from that, that I'm like, yes, he's getting called out. But like, is he really going to be held accountable? Yeah, that I don't think like him getting in trouble in a single scene that's so open ended absolves like his actions. Or no, the fact no. That like no. you know this thing happened, and we're not in like the film perspective that we're not centered on Emma's feelings and experience. We're centered in like Vivian's reaction to Emma's feelings and perspective. That that's I feel like that's where my my issue is that I'm like, oh no. <laughs> uh. But they do cool dancing at the end, so all they is solved. Do. All solved. <laughs> I mean, I, I did enjoy the dance, but again, it was like they introduced that so late, and yeah. then they end on such a high note, like a come together moment, and then fun dance. And I'm like, whoa, they're lingering. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, but- like it's it's a heavy tone. I almost it's it's hard where it's like I just want to know what the the creative decision process was like. Maybe it's just something completely adapted from the book, but uh, it was just a little bit of a miss. Um, I'm also of that, that line of thinking that I think that art is so malleable. And like when people, I don't know, full disclosure have not read Game of Thrones, but like when people are like, oh, it's historically accurate. We can't have any people of color. It's like, um, there are fucking zombies. And made of ice and dragons like you can do what you want with this you know or like like with this book it's like I don't know how many people are like you know I know Harry Potter fans are like no it has to be fully accurate 100% it's like it's a little book I get that you know the author maybe you know was protective of their work but at the same time it's like you can do a lot with film. Like, film and art should be imaginative. I mean, I don't think anyone's disagreeing with you, though. I think yeah, that, no, no, like... I mean, if they are, like, 
I don't think that this is a very popular book that there are a lot of diehards who said it has to be this way. I just think, you know, I don't want to call screenwriters lazy or anything like that, but I think it, yeah. they should have probably looked into more nuance when it came to that. That's for sure. Right. Or, or figure out, because I think throughout the movie, they've done a good point of like like addressing the the like micro aggressions of like you know like the way that i think like there was a scene that like mitchell moves emma and it's gross like he like physically moves her or like you know the way that jason like just like hovers and doesn't give space or like tries to like touch people inappropriately like like it's like we have and like you know the spitting in soda i'm like we have a lot of like instances already presented of how the the boys will be boys mentality is destructive to girls and especially with that line of thinking that like I heard this a lot growing up that like girls mature faster than boys don't expect them to like be on your level and it's messed up that like we tell that to to young girls and like instead of questioning like well, if young girls are more mature than boys, why aren't we holding boys to that standard? Why aren't we being like, hey, look to the girls in your class as like peers and colleagues that you should be learning from and respecting and listening to? Like if they're more mature, you know, and like more like intelligent and empathetic, it's like, why aren't we centering that? Oh, right patriarchy it's just a way to like blame like intelligent young women for being intelligent and it's just like wow that's fucked up <laughs> so it's like i think that if they weren't going to do the the sexual assault plot with like the space needed they could have found something else in a similar vein because like sexual harassment is you know like awful and legitimate you know like a legitimate concern and like a legitimate instance that like unfortunately so many girls deal with and has like real consequences emotionally and psychologically so it's like I think that point could have been made without necessarily like being like including you know the explicit assault it's it's a bold move to try to, you know, address such a, a complicated and painful subject. But yeah, just like, I think that the movie excelled more when they were getting specific and like keeping it light while not making light of things that are legitimately upsetting. Like I wanted more of like, you know, the thrift store scene. I really loved that. Like the them try, like Lucy and Vivian trying on things in thrift stores and coming up with different categories. I miss that. I miss doing that. that yeah, so that was great. Like, that was fun. I mean, there's a lot of you know bright spots in the movie for sure. There's a lot yeah. of really cool moments, cool high school moments, cool movie moments. Um, was there anything else in the film that you wanted to talk about, or should we move on to our awards? Um, I mean, I do want to say that whoever like. Little Shop of Horrors as the musical. I'm like, what a cool like <laughs> teacher. Like, I'm I'm just like, whoever allowed that? Like, good for you, drama teacher. Like, I think my high school did it like two years after I left. So. Oh damn, yeah. I I would have loved if my high school did, but they didn't. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that like, I I mean, I think I'm I'm down to like move to awards. <laughs> 
think of anything. Ah. <laughs> Except the soundtrack. The soundtrack is really good. Yeah, definitely. And the collages. Like collages for the... I, I have a soft spot for collage. <laughs> Some good collages. Not, not used enough collage in the no. world in general. <laughs> yeah, more collage. All right. Uh, new award for 2021. Most likely to succeed. Who won the movie? Who comes out on top most in this film? Mm, I mean, I'm trying to like disperse the awards but like i i imagine that there's gonna be like some repeats in my awards but i'm I'm gonna say lucy like i'm just a real big lucy fan lucy supporter fair enough i agree with that good for her you know like she had so many good looks and eyeshadows and was like definitely cat a a little bit for the costume department i think the costumes and the lighting and like the art direction were really well done like it's a very technically well-made film i will say that like her looks do come across as like kind of cool polished 20 something and like (laughs) you know it's like she's definitely like the coolest high schooler there where i'm like that makes sense with the san francisco you know um backstory but yeah i really appreciated that she was in this movie and had so many instances of standing up for herself in ways that felt realistic and like just yeah I think she succeeded I'd like to think so as well Um, maybe you know she'd be a nominee for this next award but there's a lot of choices I think and that's the Wooderson award for the character who you would have liked to seen a little bit more of in this film Ooh, I mean she is a nominee but in the the interest of um yeah I guess like fairness because there are so many um characters it's like i would have liked to see claudia or cj or emma but i know i can't (laughs) pick three so i'm gonna say like i'll say a little bit more cj because i think it's it's so important to like you know give trans actors platforms and like just normalize the heck out of being trans like it's is not a big deal (laughs) like it's really you know like I think that the concept is framed by like closed-minded cis people as like it's the devil and trans people are coming away coming here to take away your gender and it's like no they're just trying to exist like let CJ just be presented as like a normal theater kid and she you know is auditioning you know for like little shop of horrors and singing suddenly seymour doing real well at it you know like i want to know a little bit more about cj and like not asking for like the film to like clumsily like dead name them or be like oh are you uh it's just like no let's just like let's hear thoughts from cj like pass the mic to cj what, for what sure. does she have to think you know and say Maybe there's not a winner for this next award. Maybe there is. But, you know, modern films tend to do this better. But I have to bring it up. You even brought up the name up earlier. Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character whose omission would make the film better? Mm, I mean, you know, it's hard because it's like, I kind of want to say Vivian (laughs) this one. And it's it's tricky because it's like, yeah, I think that, like, there are so many things about her character that have a lot of potential just from like a screenwriting perspective that I don't think that they do. And I think that it is good to like, you know, call out white privilege and privilege in general and movies should, you know, expand upon that more. And like, 
investigate like what is privilege what does this mean like what's this character's perspective on privilege does you know she feel ashamed that she has it or is she like no i wish that everyone had this too i want abundance you know like what's what's her mindset so it's like i kind of think that yeah like if i was forced to give an award i would or forced to give that award i probably would say vivian i would have to fair enough fair enough Cameron Fry Award. Famously. Oh, this one's easy. <laughs> you know, we have a too old. That's the award for if you're too old to be a high schooler. Famously, Alan Ruck was like 30 in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, I do like Cameron, but but this film has a couple people who could win, but I think an obvious one. Who's your Cameron Fry Award winner? Oh, it's Patrick Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Patrick Schwarzenegger. Uh, again, so happy for you because you were able to play a douchebag and i feel like that's real but i'm not sure um <laughs> yeah i mean you know what like maybe he is like a lovely person in real life i don't know him but look I... he's incredibly rich he's a schwarzenegger he's, he... he's a kennedy like yeah. you don't you oh, you yeah. can take our criticism i'm sure and still like sleep on your bed of money and be fine right. and i don't think he did a bad job <laughs> i'm not oh, saying yeah, that no. i think he did a good job because i hated him but I wouldn't be surprised if people who like this movie see him on the street and think he's that character. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, totally. No, I think he did a, a good job as a believable. And he even like and he even looks older than 27, like you said. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I was kind of <laughs> like, what's this grown-ass doing in the school of teens? Like... Okay, so uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it, very mixed reviews, uh, 67% by the critics it's a new movie so that tends to settle in different places after a couple mm. years or whatever but 67 percent yeah. by the critics 71 percent by the audience letterbox the film nerds out there give it a 3.1 out of 5 so a little bit uh, i think better than the critics but uh, of course we don't care about that Mm-mm. jenny i'm handing you the manila report card i'm giving you the red pen from an a to f scale grade moxie okay you know what i think if this were like a movie about college students or like adults, I probably would give it like more of a middle grade. And maybe I am being too nice as a teacher. Maybe it should be like you get a C, C plus average. But I think with the perspective that this is a teen movie, it's aimed at a younger audience. And, you know, that's not to, um, like talk down to young people I don't think that like teens are stupid and that we have to like you know uh make everything like bite size and digestible for them it's like no no they're very intelligent very capable but I think that as an intro it's good so I would give it a b you know it's like it could have gone a c plus but I'm gonna go with like a solid b I don't think it's revolutionary like I wish it was more revolutionary but I also understand that this isn't a movie that's like you know directly pandering to leftist queerdos that you know like live in (laughs) New York I get it grown-ass adult this is fine like you, you get a b I'm hoping that we can keep pushing teen movies to be more nuanced and more radical and like you know capture the nuanced and radical perspectives of like gen x and like gen no wait is it gen x 
Gen Z? No, Gen Z. Gen Z. <laughs> yeah, see, I hate the, I don't even know who Gen X is. I'm like, what? Gen X is like the one before millennial. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, yeah, no, they're, they're not. Yeah, so it's like the radical perspective of Gen Z. So like just, you know, I, I want movies to catch up to them and I want to just have art be moving forward. And I think it's, you know, this movie, it moves forward in a good direction. So it gets, it gets a B for effort, I think. And like technicality, like, like on a, an objective technical level, it just is so well done, you know? So I'm like, I can't, I can't knock it. It's a very well made movie. Yeah. I gave it a B plus for a lot of those same reasons. I think I had to take some points away for some of the stuff we discussed today, but I actually enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I was. And just from a perspective of watching teen films, like it was a, I don't want to say like a fun, enjoyable film because it dealt with a lot of serious, serious things, but I enjoyed watching it and uh, give oh. Netflix, give more stuff to Amy Poehler, please. Yeah, oh man, definitely. I did forget two things that I wanted to bring up, but maybe I brought them up. The two things I wanted to bring, it's a positive and a negative. So um, the negative that can also be a little bit of a positive, I appreciate that they included a character in a wheelchair, but like I felt like they didn't really give her a name or like, I would have wanted to see more of her because like, for sure, for sure, I agree. She was with in that. two scenes, and all her character was just like wheelchair and angry, and it's like, yeah, I get like the instances of her anger are like very valid because it's like you know people are like blocking the hall when she's trying to like go, and it's like that's obnoxious. I get that, and like being like stuck in the back in like the band i'm just like man we have a lot of you know like disability advocacy that we need to work on and like a lot of ableism within our culture so it's like i think it would have been interesting just like not even i mean hey it would have been interesting like if she were the main character let's have a, a protagonist in a teen movie that like is in a wheelchair or you know deals with like chronic illness or like isn't able-bodied like that would have been cool but you know it's like more more instances where we like get a name and be like what's your For name sure. what's your story what's your favorite band like you know what colors do you like like just something that like isn't just like here is angry wheelchair girl because i'm like that's reductive and we need better and i'm I don't know if the the actor who played her uses a wheelchair she or does, not. She does. I, she oh, does. okay. That see, that's good. I'm like, I think we do need to like give more roles to like people who like that are disabled to like people who are disabled and be like, great, <laughs> you know, instead of just being like, I'm Eddie Redmayne, <laughs> like. <laughs> great you know or or whoever was on glee or you know yeah. insert name of like i'm an actor so i can just sit in a wheelchair and know what it's like it's like no you can't shut up anyway <laughs> um <laughs> the other scene i really liked was the scene in the car with vivian and sam i thought that was really good because it was like another instance of like he wasn't pressuring her or being aggressive mm -hmm. and it was like a nice you know demonstration of just like respectful consent of being like you know they both make out fantastic they check in with each other about their boundaries and like do so in a respectful way because something that really bothers me is like 
with instances of like rape culture that you know there will be these like bad faith arguments being like well do i have to like ask every single second like can i kiss you can i do this it's like yeah but like you can do it in a way that's like conversational and human and like not like it's not as awkward as you think you know instead of presuming something about someone you can like talk about boundaries do the thing and then like go watch you know a football game I mean I don't want to watch sports but like you know if you like sports like that's what I liked about the scene it wasn't like pressuring like there was a I guess like a nice you know romanticism but also just like it was taking it very seriously and not shaming anyone. And I was like, that's great. Like, they're not shaming him. They're not shaming her. They're not shaming a lack of experience. Cause I'm like, they're both children. How experienced are they really? You know, like the, the whole like teen, like, oh, let's make revolve something about like someone losing their virginity and then they're suddenly a different person. It's like virginity is a construct, just like be respectful to the people you're dating and like check in. And I think that's like such a good lesson to take away from that movie. And like, hopefully there will be more um, like cinema hunks. Cause I do love the word hunk. I'm like, that's a funny word. Like, <laughs> you know, just like be like cinema hunks, more respect, please. Thank you. Both things I'm glad you brought up. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that was a great scene too. And a positive way to kind of bring it to the end so um oh sleeping bag what does your yes. moxie sleeping bag look like okay so my moxie sleeping bag i really want it to look like the bathrooms in cbgb so i want it to be like all collage so it'd be like <laughs> riot girl collage style and like maybe have like spikes on the outside but like be really soft on the inside and just like Ooh, you know like that's, that's i want it to be like real real punk rock sleeping bag if I can't go Riot Girl, then I'm just going to go Little Shop of Horrors then. <gasps> and have a Little Shop of Horrors sleeping bag. Ooh, like would you sleep in a sleeping bag that was like shaped like Seymour oh. um, the Plant? <laughs> I wasn't thinking that, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, you can, you can steal that idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my favorite question every week. You and I were in the magical blockbuster in the sky. We know we're renting Moxie, even though it's available streaming. We want a physical copy of it, so we know we're renting Moxie at this blockbuster. We get to the front counter, we see a sign, it says, rent two movies, get one free, and I say, Jenny, go to the back. I'll hold our place in line, find two other movies for this slumber party that we can watch alongside with Moxie. What are those two other films? Okay, so first film, and this is a total swerve, um, I would pick 1997's Roger and Hammenstein, Cinderella, because that movie is perfection. It's inclusive and like just this way that's so like beautiful and radical, like where I'm like Whoopi Goldberg and Victor Garber have a hot Asian son. And it makes <laughs> so much sense to me. I'm like, perfect. And like Brandy has the voice of an angel, is so cute, like so beautiful. Like I forgot love Victor her. Garber's in Whitney that Houston, fairy godmother, like fuck yes. Same with Bernadette Peters, just like her curls, like she just owns everything and that movie i love it so it's like that movie is bisexual it is queer it is life-giving so i would go with that one 
Nice. One of my picks. What's your other pick? My other pick, you know, I I was going to be cheeky and be like, I'm going to, you know, pick mean girls, but also steal Twilight and be like, ha ha ha, <laughs> chaos. But you know what? I'm going to go with Twilight. I'm just going to boldly plop Twilight right the fuck down and be like, we hate teenage girls way too much. So you know what? We're going to enjoy some Twilight. We're going to get some some substances that shouldn't be considered illegal or, you know, vices and just like revel. And and also like that green scene opening, that little dream yeah. that she has where <laughs> Twilight she like opening, yeah. and no sound. I'm like, that's Twilight color grading. And I know that people are like, oh, why was the first movie so green? And I'm like, because green is a fucking awesome color. <laughs> Catherine Hardwick is a great director who deserves more recognition. So like we are supporting femme projects in this in this watch, you know? Like we are just doing Twilight <laughs> and Cinderella and stop me, you know? <laughs> what? Love it, love it. <laughs> Great picks. That sounds like a fun evening. And thank you so much for talking, Moxie. Yeah, thank you for having me on. You know, it was great to just break down this movie and really, um, you know, talk about it, I guess. Well, that's what the podcast is for, right? So yes. uh, where can people follow you, find you, if you want um, them to? If you want them to leave you alone, that's fine, too. <laughs> Whatever else you want to leave us on is okay. okay. Well, yeah, you can check me out. I'm on Instagram um, at Jenny.O'Connell. It's super creative that's where all my my modeling work is posted sometimes piano sometimes acting usually modeling but like that one i have my like shit post and memes account jenny and the bet sexo i'm really only on those two sites so like you can try for facebook but it's not gonna happen (laughs) all good all good uh we'll definitely keep following you there and can't wait till you're back on the show again and I'll, i'll say for the 10th time no matter what we said today, Netflix, give Amy Poehler more projects. I want to see them. Yes. <laughs> Definitely give Amy Poehler more projects. And I got to ask my good friend, Kyle Reinfried, who is the host of the On Hiatus, but will be returning at some point, Foodie Films here on the Cage Club Podcast Network, how good that film Wine Country is. Because, you know what? Amy Poehler, I respect her as an artist. I enjoyed this film so much. And yes, it had its criticisms, and I hope you guys didn't listen to this and be like, he didn't enjoy Moxie. I really enjoyed Moxie, but it inspired dialogue, and I think that's kind of the point. So yeah, three cheers for Moxie, three cheers for Jenny O'Connell for guesting on this episode. Woo! All right, though, but you have homework for next Friday. We are starting something interesting, and I'll tell you about it after the trailer. The trailer is for a film called To Die For. Suzanne would do anything to be famous. She's going to be the next Barbara Walters. I believe that Mr. Gorbachev, you know, the man who ran Russia for so long, I believe that he would still be in power today if he had that big purple thing taken off his forehead. To be on television. You're not anybody in America unless you're on TV. Was a chance she would die for. You're on. Good evening from the WWEN Weather Center. Weather Center? Have any of you actually ever been on television before? To be a star, you gotta be able to do things that ordinary people wouldn't do. Was the opportunity she would kill for. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) 
And that's exactly what she did. Five. I don't think I need to tell you that today was a hot one. Four. With just a slight chill in the air. Three. Nothing is going to stop her. Two. Did you get the gun? Yeah. One. Pictures welcomes you to the real America. Suzanne, did you get those kids to kill your husband? Where criminals get to be celebrities. It was on First Edition and American Justice. And celebrities get away with murder. It's nice to live in a country where life, liberty, and all the rest of it still stand for something. Nicole Kidman is... To die for. So the aforementioned Kyle Reinfried of Foodie Films will be our guest on To Die For. He's the one who brought this movie to my attention. And it's funny because I have another podcast scheduled to be recorded with my good friend Danny Kim about Elephant. And I noticed that both these films are directed by Gus Van Sant. And I was like, whoa. That's interesting, right? And then I looked at my like list of overall movies that I want to do for this podcast, and I realized four films are directed by Gus Van Sant. So I said, might as well do them all. Might as well have a little Gus Van Sant, I don't know, retrospective of his teen films. It's rare to get someone to directed more than like two teen films than to have four. Wow. We're going to talk about it. So that's your homework. Watch to die for. Watch the films of Gus Van Sant. Do a little bit of research because we're going to be talking about him. Kyle Reinfried, our first guest, and we're going to have a bunch of a uh, bunch of regulars to talk those Gus Van Sant films. That's for sure. Just a reminder once again: check out our episode on Moxie on the Contenders. Listen to the other stuff that Island Addington has done on that show and on this podcast as well. As I mentioned, she was on our Perks of Being a Wallflower episode. She was on our Fired Up. And she was also on our Jennifer's Bodies episode. But she didn't really like that one so much. So if you like that movie, don't listen to that episode. But (laughs) get a good sense of her because she's going to be a big part of this show with High School Slumber Party AP. I can't wait to do that. We're going to do our first movie April 5th. Check that out. One more thing before... We hit the hay and head into our sleeping bags for good tonight. I was watching Late Night with Seth Meyers, which I enjoy. I don't watch the late night shows enough, but he's great. I'm a big Seth Meyers fan. I'm editing a Minding My Own Business, and guess who was one of the guests? He was an actor in this film, Moxie, Nico Haranga, or Haringa? Nico Haringa, I think it's pronounced. He was in Booksmart as well. He's an up-and-comer, and oh my god, this guy is... Listen to this interview. He is... I don't want to say crazy, but he is so into skateboarding. He's just like a skater dude. That's like the best way I could describe him. Amy Poehler actually had to tell him on set to be worse at skateboarding because he was so good at it. And he's so not like a celebrity. He's so just like out of that world. I don't know how to describe it, but watch this interview. He was saying how like Maggie Smith and Harry Potter was his like 
celebrity crush. <laughs> Interesting. But also, like, he'd never heard of Amy Poehler except for the movie Sisters, which he loves. Never heard of Parks and Recreation. Never heard of SNL, which was funny, being that, like, he's on Seth Meyers' show. But definitely check out the interview. He's an up-and-comer. I think he should be the Internet's next boyfriend. We already had the time of Peter Wowo Kavinsky. Let's get this guy to be the internet's next boyfriend because, again, he is so far removed from celebrity, and I love it so much. Check that interview out. I know I said one more thing. We're going to say one more thing again because, remember, life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Let's leave you with another song off the Moxie soundtrack. And of course, this was by a band that I actually discovered on the soundtrack and I've been listening to a lot, so I have to recommend it. So awesome. The Linda Lindas is the band and the song is called Big Mouth. Later dudes. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.